and what sex is to me. Because I think even moving forward, when I decided to get back in the groove of being intimate with my partner again, at first it was like, I don't know if I like this. Like, I want to do this to make you happy, but I know that I don't like it. But I feel like if I tell you that I don't like it, you might hit me. Because the last person that I said no to hit me. So it took me a really long time to get comfortable saying, I don't like this, don't touch me. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Women Living Intentional, a group created for those who are looking and ready to live in purpose. Now over to your host, Tayani Tellis. My name is Karen. I'm president of SHE. And I'm Jessica, president of SHE, Sisters Helping Each Other of Georgia State University. We're a women empowerment organization that values sisterhood, community service, and dialogue. And we're super excited to be here today, and we're looking forward to the discussion. So hello, everyone. My name is Karen. I'm president of SHE. And I'm Jessica, vice president. Um, it stands for Sisters Helping Each Other. We primarily stand for sisterhood, community service, and dialogue. Yep. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yay! Thank you. So, um, hi everyone. Um, My name is Jasmine. Um, She is the organization that invited me here to Georgia State to host Cupcakes and Combos. So, Cupcakes and Combos is an organization that I started roughly three years ago. Um, I'm a sexual abuse survivor as well as a suicide survivor as well, a two-time suicide survivor. Um, I was raped when I was 17 years old. I was actually set up by my best friend at the time who had a guy drag me out of a college party and he took me to his apartment where he beat me and raped me for about two and a half hours until I was unconscious. So moving forward, I went to Spelman and a good friend of mine, we started an organization called Survivor at Spelman where we wanted to create a safe space for people to come and just talk and feel comfortable just contributing whatever they wanted to contribute to that conversation and start our advocacy for it. So once I graduated from Spelman, I realized that there weren't a lot of groups in Atlanta that would let me do what I wanted to do with the conversation. I didn't want it to be any more spaces where we came and like cried and talked about it and did all that boring stuff. So I wanted it to more so be like a celebration of the fact that like, this is something that happened, but I got through it, I healed, and this is all the great stuff that I'm doing now. So I do a lot of different pop-up events, girls' nights in, galas, of course, the original Cupcakes and Combos, which is where we decorate cupcakes in honor of sexual abuse awareness and suicide prevention. And then we share our decoration and we talk about how we're still sweet, how we're still living in our purpose, and that whole type thing. So if you haven't already, definitely go ahead and get your cupcake and decorate it. And I passed out a couple of index cards for you to write down questions. Um, It can be as anonymous or not as you would like for it to be, Um, but literally write down anything that comes to your mind. Raw questions, authentic questions, embarrassing questions, um, questions that you think are inappropriate, 
Um, I really encourage people that don't know anything about the cause to ask those questions that usually make people uncomfortable to talk about so that we can clear it up. My overall mission with Cupcakes and Combos is to attract people outside of this direct audience. So I want people that don't believe that rape is a real concept. I want people that don't understand how a man can be sexually abused or they don't understand the bylaws of statutory rape. Those are the type of people that I try to attract to my events because I feel like if it's just the group of rape girls that's sitting here talking about it, the message isn't going anywhere and we're not doing anything to really get the community involved. So I invited a special guest of mine to come all the way from New York and she's going to open up the floor because I feel like everyone easily just got real tense. Like y'all shoulders are all the way up to here. <laughs> um, so she's going to do an amazing spoken word piece. DC, I'm sorry. I'm from Georgia, so in my mind, anyone that's above South Carolina is from New York. <laughs> but she is from DC. Um, so y'all help me welcome Tanina Grimes, who's gonna open our floor. Exploitation, loud, John McQueen, bit. I think you get the point. See, while I'm scrolling down my timeline on Instagram, I see the expectation of today's woman. Skinny, bag on their style. A freaking red with mutant pub. Caked on makeup, trying to make up for what you believe God has messed up. I don't think y'all heard me. I said, caked on makeup, trying to make up for what you believe God has messed up. And don't you dare question him about his woman crush Wednesday because what's understood doesn't need to be explained, remember? See, what our young girls must understand is that in the eyes of a man, you're exactly what they see. So these sexual pictures with inspirational quotes, baby girl, this must be a joke. And I'm not on the stage to dish out shade, but to shed light on the mistakes that are being made. Our young women are being programmed because it's okay for him to have a side chick as long as your title is wifey. Our generation is being deprived of monogamy. It's like all these likes are giving out subliminal advice like, use your body, young one. It's the only way. A man won't look at you if you have extra weight. Show some skin, a little more cleavage. You'll be the one he leads with. This world is so broken that it's surprising to find a girl who can fathom the work between her thighs. Women, quick to exploit each other for a quick buck, but what's so hard about lifting each other up? See, I think we're forgetting where we came from. Years before we left our homes, we had crowns upon our domes, my queens. Yes, I said, my queens, we have to do better. Light versus dark skin is all a joke until one day a little girl's bleaching herself. Venus High Top was paraded around like a freak show and we turned it into a peep show. Her round posterior was looked at as inferior, analyzed like an animal or something unfamiliar. Think about it like this. Get on Instagram and upload a booty fit. For every like you get is every dude she was forced to fornicate with. Let that sink in. My queens, we have to do better. You do not have to live up to this world virtue. You are a queen, and here's what that means. It's understanding that you'll go through good days and some bad, lose weight, gain weight, and even feel like you're going insane. But I'm here to tell you that it's not what you go through, but how you get through, and never let society break you. So when I walk with confidence and speak with class, it's not to impress this new world's man. It's because a beautiful black queen is who I am. Come on. Yeah. 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 Can you share some more? 
about yourself because I don't want to tell nobody else that you're from New York and you're from DC. <laughs> okay, so yeah, like Jasmine said, I am Tanina Grimes and I am originally from DC, Washington, DC, the little hood side from Southeast. Um, I graduated from Favorite State University with a um, degree in criminal justice. I started my foundation, Uniquely Beautiful, where I um, I kind of grew up in a similar, you know, situation. I, it's a I don't ain't gonna get too deep on y'all because I really do agree with you. Um, a lot of times we get stuck in sulking in it um, instead of celebrating. But um, grew up in the same similar situation, had some self-identity issues because of obstacles that I went through. So I decided to kind of just focus on what what who I am and how to help other people. Um, get around some things. So I lost my mom in uh, 2017, six months after I graduated. Um, so I was dealing with trying to figure out who I was after graduating from college, but also trying to become a woman. And every aspect that meant from doing my own doctor's appointments to men to um, just everything in life. So I created Uniquely Beautiful kind of have to have that safe space for younger girls. I feel like we are losing the authenticity of um, role models and helping our younger generation um, become all that they are as a woman, so. Yes, thank you so much. And then we're gonna welcome you. Okay. Okay, so our moderator for this evening is a really, really good friend of mine. Um, she is a marketing guru, a branding genius, but she has an amazing podcast that I've been a guest on before. She has well over 5,500 subscribers internationally, and she can tell you all of the details <laughs> in between, but she's definitely going to be our moderator for this evening. So, yes, yeah, so I just want to thank you, friend, for inviting me out again. Like she said, I'm Tayani Tellis. I am the founder of Intentionally Posh Network, which is a network designed for female entrepreneurs. Um, under that network, we do have opportunities where we um, do 40 days of self-love, um, posh pass retreats, but ultimately our focus is the podcast because we like to shed light on entrepreneurship, but just not entrepreneurship, self-love, self-worth, understanding who you are as an individual aside from all of the labels that you carry around day to day. So we feature people from the PR world, from the marketing world, but we also celebrate and welcome those who have went through similar stories, like she said, losing their parents and trying to overcome. And ultimately this platform was built to not only inspire, but to also give you real practical tools and tactics that you can use to elevate yourself in business and your personal life. So that's who I am. Um, Again, Jasmine may not know, but I thought this conversation was super important. I was so excited to be a part of it because I haven't been physically sexually abused, but I have been verbally abused by family members. So for me, it was just like a conversation because, you know, when people think about abuse, they only think about the physical, but they don't understand how verbal abuse can also, you know, play a big part, especially when it comes from people that you think are supposed to be protecting you. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited about today's conversation. <laughs> So um, really quick, whenever I host events like this, I like to just lay down a couple of disclaimers and housekeeping rules because I feel like a conversation like this is very tense and fragile. So um, just a couple of things. The first one is that this is a safe space. And even though it's going to be um, on her podcast, of course, if there's something that you all contribute to this space that you really would like to leave in this space, 
that can be edited out. We, we want to be super respectful of people's testimonies and their emotions, um, but this is absolutely a safe space. So the second part is that I like for everyone to be open. Um, some of you may not know each other. None of you really knew me that much. Before we leave here today, y'all are going to look at me like I'm your best friend because you're <laughs> going to know such a piece of my life that is just going to bond us. So I think that everyone being open and being receptive to what the other person may or may not share in this space is really important. And then thirdly, everyone just being super supportive. Like I remember the very first time that I ever shared my story, I was like in tears streaming down my face, snot. It was just ugly. And there was a girl in the front row of where I was seated that just like ran up and just held me. And she just held my hand and like comforted me the entire time that I spoke. And it reminded me that I'm not the only person that this has happened to. And the way that I'm reacting as I'm sharing my story and the experiences of my emotions that were going on in that moment were normal. So I think that that's really important to just make sure that whoever you're seated next to right now, if they want to cry or get emotional and whatever brought you out here, whether if you have a story to share, whether if you would just like to be a part of the advocacy or if you're here on behalf of someone else, I just want for all of us to support whatever is contributed to this space. Oh. And so I just want to say too, like even if you haven't physically been through anything, just taking this opportunity to take this back to someone else who could benefit from, you know, um, this conversation. Like I said, even on the podcast, I'd make that a disclaimer as well. Like pass this along to anyone who you know may be going through some things because it's a reason that you're here so be open and receptive to receive even if you have not experienced and you feel like well this is nothing i can use for my personal life try to think about other people around you um, who may be suffering with something similar and it may not be sexual trauma or abuse but it may be something that they're trying to overcome and it may be some tools and tips that you can say hey go listen to this podcast it may you may benefit or be able to you know practice some of these things and implement them in your life so so if y'all are done with y'all questions Jalen is gonna collect them really quickly and then we're gonna add them to um, the podcast as we go along and there will be a Q&A segment at the end as well that Tanine is gonna join us for and you can ask any other follow-up questions Jalen if you want to put them in this just follow them up Okay, guys, so I just want to get right into the conversation. Of course, we know what the topic is um, around. However, for those who, you know, want a little bit more clarity on mental health, let's talk about that for a second. Um, How important is mental health when it comes to just everyday life? Mm -hmm. I think that mental health is important, um, especially in minority communities, because I remember growing up, like a lot of black households, my parents were very like hush hush about everything. And it was even more specifically for me because my mom is Asian from Manhattan and my dad is black from Savannah. So just that mix within itself was just very like, what happens in this house for real gotta stay in this house. Um, And I think that that just breeds a very unhealthy 
um, sentiment that you take so literal into your adult life. So I think that part of the reason why I kept quiet for the first two years after I was attacked is because I felt like I was gonna get in trouble if I was to come out and say something. And even besides that, when it comes to smaller things, like the first time that I was in a, a domestic violence relationship, I didn't know how to say that my boyfriend just beat me up. So it happened for 10 months until it literally got so bad I lost my job because I, I was showing up to work right. with bruises and scratches all over me. So it got to a point where other people had to say something on my behalf. And when I realized that it was hurting them, that's when it was like, well, why am I being so quiet about it? So I think that it goes back to what people around you are teaching you and what sentiments you're growing up with. That affects your overall mental health. Yeah, and I agree with you, you know, in the instance of, especially in the black culture, as we many of us already know, like, it's always that thing, like, what happens in this house stays in this house. You don't tell anybody your business. And I mean, you can't even talk about your credit score, really. And I feel like, okay, and I've always been that child where it's like, I always wanted to know, like, mama, what's your greatest score? Like, I asked her the other day, and she told me 0, 0.0. And I'm like, girl, I'm, <laughs> like, we're grown now at this point. But I think that weighs heavy as we go throughout life as well because then we don't know how to communicate. So mm -hmm. when you start to get in these relationships, when it comes to, okay, now it's time to talk about specific areas of your life or um get into a relationship where y'all have to talk about things if you're thinking about about long term and marriage and all of that um conversations are going to have to be held so how do you what advice could you give someone um especially let's start from the end of dealing with something but afraid to speak out mm -hmm. my advice um honestly if, if i have to go back and think about it when that situation happened I was sexually abused maybe two months after I had lost my virginity to my high school sweetheart. So my idea and my concept that I was building in my head of what sex meant to me, what intimacy meant, I feel just immediately was blurred. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. I knew that what happened was bad. I knew that I was hurt. I knew that there were physical wounds. And... I didn't know how to explain that to him. Right. I didn't know how to explain that to my friends. Also, in the high school community that I went to, it was very quiet out in Stockbridge, Georgia. <laughs> so, I, in my opinion, yeah. stuff like that wasn't happening. So, how do I come out and talk about it and not have people, like, execute me right f feeling like i'm this weird person they because people start to treat you like you handicapped when you go through trauma right and that's something that made me feel like i couldn't speak up so my biggest piece of advice would of course just be to find somebody that you trust um i never reported my sexual assault and i think because at that time my understanding and just my mental health was a little bit more of a priority. Like I was just battling way too much as a child in my own head. So I wasn't thinking, let me go and try to get this person behind bars. Truth be told, I don't even remember what this man looks like. Right. Like, I don't know his name. He was a random person that just picked me out of a party and said, you. So if we're being honest, I could be walking past this man every day on the street and I wouldn't even know that that's my attacker. So it's difficult um, when it comes to reporting, and I think that a lot of girls feel like 
if they do report, there's not going to be a lot of justice served mm -hmm. because a lot of these attackers, they can get a good lawyer and they get off with a pat on the wrist for ruining somebody's life. Yeah. So um, my biggest piece of advice would just be to make your mental health a priority. And if you can work up to that point and you say, I have to make sure that this person is behind bars and I don't care if I win or lose, like I, I can't go to sleep without knowing that this is something that I tried to do, then I would definitely encourage you to do so. But I think just making sure that you're surrounded by people that make you feel loved even when you're struggling to find a way to love yourself through something like that, I think that's really important. Yeah, and um, you mentioned something as well, like because a lot of us, who's, who's in a relationship in here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> she said, oh, like, is it Wednesday or Friday? <laughs> like, no, but no, definitely because we got. I think it's important for us to talk about that as well because, as women, as we also don't understand that our no is still a no, and if you tell your partner no, mm -hmm. and it's still done outside of your willingness, um, that is considered sexual assault and rape as well. Yep. So when we're getting deep into these conversations, I do want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Because um, a lot of times, mentally, women don't understand where trauma starts. Mm -hmm. um, we think that it just has to be something that was just traumatic and you remember it because you have blood gushing out of your yeah. head. But sometimes trauma is also unconscious unconscious trauma as well mm -hmm. where something has been done to you outside of your will or want and you really don't know how to identify these things so mm -hmm. when we talk about like traumas and partners and situationships and relationships <laughs> what are healthy boundaries to start to implement um I think it differs for everybody <laughs> A couple years ago, had you asked me that question, my answer would have been different. Now that I'm a little bit older and I've dated an array of different people, <laughs> um, I can say that my most abusive relationships that I was in occurred when I didn't take the time out to get to know myself. And it was easy for someone to find a window of opportunity to abuse me or to manipulate me because I didn't know myself, I didn't know how to set boundaries, I didn't know how to say no. And I think that that's really important. So the worst, I've been in two abusive relationships, by the way. The first one, it happened, it was an isolated incident. And that was my first time ever experiencing a grown man just like hit me a right. grown man that I loved and that I knew of just like just turn on me right so it happened I was out of that relationship the second relationship that I was in where it was ongoing I think that there was a conditioning that took place where he was working me up to abuse so when it happened, there was a lot of red flags that I just ignored like he would have a drunk night and he might push me out of the way and I'm like he, he was drunk, drunk. <laughs> like, it's cool. And then the next thing I know, six months later, I'm going home with a black eye and a bloody nose. Yeah. But because I didn't realize red flags before, by the time it started working itself up to hits and mushes and push, and now I'm just straight up knocking you out, like, I didn't know when to finally put my foot down and say, this is abuse, because yeah. it was abuse from the very start. 
Um, so I think that getting to know yourself and knowing how to set those boundaries. And I think that also understanding consent, I guess, and just emphasizing that a lot more. I, I think that people have this idea that consent is like this abstract concept, concept right. like what does it mean or how do I go about doing it and was this really no, was this really yes? To me, it's very simple. A yes is an affirmative yes and a no is anything other than that. Right. So if it's a maybe, if it's a hmm, I don't know, if it's a well let me call my friend first, just get out. Yes, <laughs> like stop no. the situation. And I usually give that reference whenever I'm speaking to guys because I've also had fr guy friends that have been accused of sexual abuse by other women and they really didn't understand where they went wrong and I yeah. had to explain to them like this isn't something that you play with especially one thing that I do know about the state of Georgia they will nail you to the wall when they have proof and evidentiary support that a rape has taken place I think that a lot of people also don't educate themselves on what sexual abuse or like child molestation charges could really manifest and become so I had a friend of mine um, who I went to school with in college and he had a drunk night. He ended up doing some stupid drunk stuff like everybody did when we were in college and he pretty much relieved himself in a children's playground. It's dark, nobody's around. Apparently there was a cop across the street that saw mm. it. They booked him for that. So he has a child molestation charge against him because he literally pissed in a playground after hours when nobody was around a lot of people don't do their research to know this and oddly enough he was going to school to become an elementary school teacher this man can never teach a day in his life because he did something stupid in college without knowing how the laws actually work mm -hmm. so i think that stuff like that is really important years ago there was a law that said if a woman has had one sip of wine she's not legally in a state of mind where she can consent to sex so I'm not sure if that law is still a thing now, but that's something to think about. Like if a woman does just want to play with my freedom and say this person raped me and God forbid, maybe we went out and we had a drink or two. Legally, she can't consent. So whatever she says goes in this situation. Right. So I just think that people understand in certain preventative measures when it comes to yourself. Because I would never encourage a woman to like, don't do this and don't do that so that a man won't prey on you because I think that that's bullshit if we're being yeah. honest. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just think that understanding preventative measures for yourself. When I go out, I, that's just me personally, even aside from this experience, I don't like going to concerts and parties and very large spaces without people that I trust and that I know if something go crazy, Jalen about to, she about to hold it down for us. Jalen's not afraid to tell the man that's coming up to me, like, excuse me, sir, my friend don't want to talk to you. Right. I love surrounding myself with friends like that because I just think that it just saves a lot of trauma that I don't have space for right now. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree because you can never say, oh, I'm going to do all of these things and nobody ever is going to attack me. Um, I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, they're, they're like bulletproofed or you know have like this shield to protect them against prey however i think um and the reason i bring this up is because you'll deal with relationships and everybody comes differently everybody approaches you differently so to understand signs early on is important like jasmine said um just and just when you're getting to know individuals and one thing that 
I like to do because I have been in situations where they have become verbal and physical only because like she said one day is just a silly argument the next day y'all are arguing again the next day you know you're super mad and you have no control over your emotions and here it is you know you're in this argument however I never took the time to really understand who this person was what traumatic experiences they had of their own Mm -hmm. you know what have you dealt with in your past and how do you react um, to certain situations? Which, you know, when you're young and you're dating, who cares, you know, what happens to your past? We're about to create a whole future, you know. However, those things come full circle when you start to get yourself involved with a person and now y'all love each other and he feels comfortable with you and you feel comfortable with them. And mm-hmm. that's when all of his issues become your issues and your issues <laughs> become his issues. And now it's no fine line between you know okay now how do we get past like this situation when it occurs Mm -hmm. so I definitely think so we're gonna like do the questions now um we can just pop up one and then it's just gonna help us just narrate this whole conversation let's see I'm a little scared (laughs) okay Okay, so a question was, do you think that girl-on-girl rape is real? I do. Um, I think that people get caught up in... I think that people in general just get caught up in the structure and the complexity of, like, classifications of sex. Yeah. But I feel like... Yeah, it's pretty simple to me. Anything that is unwanted and unwarranted to me is abuse. Like, if if there's no consent that takes place, if there's a manipulation that takes place, if there's a physical force that takes place that I do not desire, to me, that is abuse. Um, Whether if you can classify it as sexual or not, you may have to talk to a police officer because I think that I do know that certain details of certain things... um, it, it just differs depending on when you go to um, to actually put that stuff on paper. Um, for me, for example, if I would have tried to report my attacker, I would have gotten him in jail for beating me up before him raping me. He used a condom. I had taken a shower. There was nothing to show evidence that a rape had necessarily taken place or anything sexual had taken place. But I had bruises on my back for almost eight months. My lip was busted. I had a black eye. Like, my clothes were ripped off of me. So I could have absolutely gotten him in jail for that. So I think that that can absolutely take place, though. Yeah. Yeah. And like she said, like, regardless of gender, because... We live in a, you know, in this world where it's like genderized based on what is what and who is who. Like if, like she said, if it's outside of your consent or your will or your want, um, it's abuse. It's abuse. <laughs> um, okay. So, what was the hardest thing about moving on? Moving, and if the person who we can answer the question, but I want to know, like, if the person feels comfortable sharing, in what part of your life not we can just answer the question um what's my hardest part about moving on um 
I would say for me, it was trying to redefine what sex meant to me. Like I said earlier, like I was raped literally two months after I lost my virginity to my high school sweetheart. I made this man wait four years. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm just trying to hold out for all my friends. I genuinely had to make that mature decision because I didn't know what sex meant to me. And my mom was one of those parents that was like, if you have sex, you're going to die. You're going to get pregnant and you're going to die. And I was just like, okay, just don't have sex. Just don't do it. So when I had finally had an intimate moment with my boyfriend and then that situation happened, it turned me off of men just like, eh. I never had like a lesbianist experience, but I just knew that I did not want a man near me. Like that was just not an option. And then I think when I got to college and... By that time, I had just tried to bury those feelings and experiences. So you can only imagine how that played out when I'm being in denial, but I'm really like messed up inside. Yeah. And then I get to college where anything goes and there's alcohol oh, in the dorm right. rooms and Thirsty Thursdays. And I was having a time of my life. <laughs> um, but I got in a lot of toxic relationships, whether yes. if they were physically abusive or not i dated i remember when i was 20 years old and i was in a relationship with a 40 year old man like just stuff that didn't even make sense now that i think about it and part of me wanting to always be with someone older was because i knew that i was always a little bit more mature but i think that i wanted a figure that could keep me safe right. and even if they did something that hurt me or manipulated me they were still gonna protect me from other people that could hurt me and manipulate me. And that absolutely stemmed from that experience that I had. Right. So a big part of me moving on was just understanding what I want out of my relationships, what my boundaries are, and what sex is to me. Because I think even moving forward, when I decided to get back in the groove of being intimate with my partner again, at first it was like, I don't know if I like this, like I want to do this to make you happy, but I know that I don't like it, but I feel like if I tell you that I don't like it, you might hit me. Cause the last person that I said no to hit right. me. So it took me a really long time to get comfortable saying, I don't like this, don't touch me. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that was my main journey of moving forward. And I think just outside of that, Sharing that experiences with my friends and my loved ones helps me create a lot of boundaries because I'm the type of person where I genuinely feel like if I share a specific traumatic experience with you and I'm trusting you with that information and confidence, that also means that I'm requiring you to handle me accordingly moving forward. So if I'm telling you I've had an experience of friends that have wronged me, stolen from me, and done all this, and you as my friend turn around and steal from me, we're going to fight. <laughs> like, we are going to fight, friend. So in the same sense, yeah. if you are my partner and my sexual partner, and I say, this is an experience that I had in my past. So when it comes to us being intimate, don't be too aggressive with me. Don't choke me. Don't grab my hair. Don't make any quick movements, to be honest, because I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're reaching for. And in the beginning, that was a real thing. And you can only imagine how difficult that got when I was actually being intimate with someone that I love. Yeah. Because literally when I was raped, the person tried to kill me. And I didn't even realize it. I was screaming so loud, fighting for my life. And he took a pillow and put it over my face. 
So I'm thinking he's trying to get me to be quiet. And then after a while, I'm realizing, like, he's kind of pushing down really hard. Like, he's not trying to let up. I couldn't breathe. I stopped kicking. I stopped screaming. And he's still just on me. And that's when I realized he was trying to smother me and kill me. So literally, if I'm being intimate with someone and you grab for something, it's like a, a trigger. Like, what are you doing? What, what, what's next? Like, don't play yeah. with me. So I think moving forward is just trying to find a way to not let those triggers determine what other people's intentions are with you because yeah. there are a lot of people around me that don't have that kind of intention yeah yeah and then just recreating your world like redefining like your life like not allowing your story or what happened to you to hold you in bondage bondage to you know what is available to you in the future um i think for us to move forward we have to move past it we have to talk about it um, we have to let it out because the more that you internalize whatever situation that has happened to you sexually, mentally, physically, verbally, um, the longer that you're able to keep replaying these situations in your head. And I think, you know, if correct me if I'm wrong, but Jasmine's healing um, occurred when she probably started sharing her messaging with other people. Because I feel like there's a little bit of healing that takes place every time you share the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're able to say, okay, I've lived this, you know, and I'm sharing this and there's healing in the, in that moment. Cause you know, you react differently. She's not sitting here crying and bawling. Like she explained in the beginning from the first time, she in a couple minutes ago. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's just like, your reaction is different. So understanding that you are not what has happened to you is really a true statement. Um, and even for myself, it's just kind of like those traumatic experiences because, you know, my aunt, she's super mad still about what my uncle said to me and what he done to me because my grandmother was literally in ICU dying upstairs and he's downstairs drunk on moonshine. I remember it like it's yesterday telling me what he would do to me and all of these things. And it's just like, you know, I don't, I'm not mad at him. <laughs> and it's like, we don't understand, you know, when you keep your abusers in bondage, you're keeping yourself captive captive as well to healing Mm -hmm. like you're exiting that completely out of your life so i think to move forward you have to let go you have to release um you have to forgive yourself and i know that's very hard because we don't talk about that we always talk about forgiving others but you really have to forgive yourself and say you know hey i'm sorry that this has happened to you you know, and that, you know, whatever you felt in that moment, maybe I didn't protect myself the well that, you know, as well as I could, or maybe I got too drunk, whatever you have to tell yourself, because we also play roles in certain situations. And sometimes you may feel like it's not your fault at all. And that's completely fine. But the point is, in order for you to move forward, you have to take some type of ownership and take back your life. Because I think we put too much of what has happened to us in other people's hands. Mm. This has happened to me because of this person. So it's like, okay, now you're a victim and it's not taking away your um, victimship, if that's yeah. even a word. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, at some point you have to take that back and say, okay, this has happened to me. You know, I went through it. I got through it. Now how can I use this and share and help other people heal? So that would be my suggestion to move forward and you can use that through any aspect of your life breakups relationships abuse whatever it is family matters um and just begin that healing process like understand you're human i think that's very important i just wanted to add real quick um you have to 
for me, I moved on because I understood that it happened to me to share for somebody else. So mm -hmm. it's, it's greater than me. And I think once I realized that and I was able to start sharing my different stories, and like when I first opened up my mouth about anything I went through, I, I had like a certain reaction from somebody else. And it's like, bro, you too? Like, mm -hmm. you did that too? Or you somebody did that to you too? Or you you felt like that too? So, and once I started opening my mouth and kind of doing that, and I realized that, as, as harsh as it sounds, it's like, I would hate that you had to go through that, but mm -hmm. where would you be if you didn't go through right, that? Right, right. You know, what was what is my purpose? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what turned me from it, um, and I didn't say earlier, didn't uh, remind me to say it, but I didn't say earlier, that's how my whole, like, uniquely people came about and my book came about, because I needed something to say, I needed to write, I needed to get it out. Right. And if that was my way of moving on, and once it's out there, and you're like, dang, like, so many other people need this, but by me holding it in, I'm not I'm not doing my due diligence. I'm not doing what God, mm -hmm. whomever you believe in, or whatever you believe in, has put you on this earth to do. So I think the biggest um, oh, I think the biggest um, the biggest way to move on from anything is really trying to find the positive in it. Like, where do I go from here? How do I go from it? How do I get? What where do I, what am I supposed to do with this? Who am I supposed to help? With? Right. Because your life is greater than you, so right. sorry that this burner exists. No, that was good. Yeah. Okay, Jasmine. So this one, you could probably answer a little bit better. How do you tell your family about sexual assault? So, mm, my situation is a little bit different. Um my mom recently found out maybe about a year and a half ago um it was through a a client of mine i don't even want to say client because they were a criminal i ended up taking them to, to jail my life is very traumatic <laughs> i'm realizing this but um they in the process of us going back and forth to court they got into an argument with my mom and I don't know exactly what worked up to it, but something to the effect of, you don't even know your daughter, you don't even know she was raped while she was living in your own house. And my mama was like, what do you mean? Like, right. So she just called me after that whole situation was over with and she, and she was just really silent on the phone. And it, it's not too many times that my mother is silent. So she was just like, is there something you want to tell me? And I'm like, I remember I took some money from your purse when I was like 12. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, don't, I didn't know what this woman expected of me. And she just broke down in tears and she was like, you know, Jasmine, I was raped when I was 16. And I was like, somebody told her I was raped and I didn't I didn't know what to say like and, and by this time mind you I've already had an organization on Spelman's campus I've started cupcakes and combos I've been mentoring so many people through this but I never stopped to tell my parents and she never asked and at this point she didn't follow me on Instagram so I'm promoting this stuff and she don't know and I, I don't remember exactly how that conversation ended. I know it ended with both of us in tears, and it was just something that we never really talked about moving forward. Now, me and my family are also not the closest for many of reasons. We don't have any issues, but that just wasn't my dynamic growing up. I don't feel like, um, and as much as I love my parents, disclaimer, 
But I just feel like the emphasis of family and us talking and communication and having this person that I know I can go to, like I knew it, like it went without saying like, yeah, if you need something, go to your mom or your dad. But I didn't feel that. So I never thought it was important and I didn't really know how to say that to my mom. Now that I think about it, I'm happy that somebody told her because I probably would have never said anything. And now that's something that it's like, okay, it's out of the way. You know it. Moving forward, I just don't want to go into detail about it because my family is the type of family that I like to pull up. And I ain't got time for that right right now. Um, Now, with my dad, that's a situation if we're if I'm being completely blunt with you, I will probably never say that to my dad. Um, One, because I'm a huge daddy's girl. Um, And my dad actually went to prison when I was, I think I was in the first grade. And he didn't get out until I was a senior in high school. So when he went away, I was daddy's little girl. When he came out, in his mind, even to this day, I'm 25 years old. I'm going to be 26 in like 30 days. I'm grown as hell. I'm still like this seven-year-old kid in his opinion. Like the fact that I date and I have a business, like that doesn't register to him. So it's difficult for me as daddy's little girl and his princess to explain that this happened to me, Mm -hmm. you know, because I don't know how he's going to take it. And then I feel like that's going to open up a whole nother wound in myself. It's going to open up certain conversations about the family and how connected we are that I don't think any of us are really ready for. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it will never happen. And I'm not saying that I'm not open to it because I do know that a part of being an advocate is to go through stuff like that. Like I can't preach to other people. You need to talk to your parents if I haven't talked to mine. Um, so I'm open to it, but in my family, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So I just want to talk, touch on that too, because that's important, um, because you are an advocate. However, how do people begin that healing process? Because I feel like regardless if you're close or not with your parents, if you're, if you're not comfortable, you're just not comfortable with telling certain people. And I feel like that's nothing to you know be held with a gun to your head about like tell your parents this is what they need to know because honestly some people may not be able to handle that type of information which is to be respected so for those people who may not be able to have that conversation with parents who do you tell and I know that sounds like duh tell the closest person but not even the to be honest I have a lot of close people that I've never had this conversation with one because it's just a different conversation and a lot of people don't want to talk about it they know that rape happens they know that this thing exists but it's just too touchy and then I think that they're also very conscious like if I haven't experienced it, then maybe what I'm about to say or the questions that I have may offend you or may trigger something. So they just don't even want to go there. But for me, I, I'm just very good at picking up on vibes. If I vibe with you, if I trust you and you you give me that, that thing that lets me know, okay, we can go there, then I'll tell you. Um, but I would say finding someone that you're comfortable with is just that's the first half of the battle Um, I know a lot of people that haven't told their parents for a different array of reasons I know people that don't tell their boyfriend Um, I think that that conversation is one of those when you talk about it you're always on the edge of your seat like 
let me look at people's reactions. Like when I literally go verbatim through the details of my story, there's about three parts of it that I just know every, every face in the room is about to be like, and immediately, like the first time I shared my story, I think that's why I broke down into tears because when people react certain ways to trauma, on the inside, it makes you feel like, dang, it's really that bad. Yeah, it's like, bad. I thought I was good. I thought I was healing. I was kind of doing good talking about it. And now you crying. So now I feel like I need to cry when I don't even feel emotional. Like, and so when people tell me stuff, not even about this in general, you could tell me how you just got into it with a friend last night or something crazy y'all did. And this is my face the whole time. Because I don't want for me to react in a way that's going to make you feel like, okay, we, we got to go now. Like, we got to do this. Like, <laughs> right, I right. have to be calm for at least one of the parties in this room. <laughs> right. So I think that that's the biggest reason why people just have difficulty finding who can I talk to about yeah. this. So whoever will not give you that reaction, I guess, yeah. um, the person that's not the most judgmental. And I hate to say it, but as an adult, I've learned that I connect more with people that have been through stuff. Yeah. And, and not to say that I need for you to have experienced the level of trauma that I have, because I would really never wish that on anyone. But I can't be friends with someone who is like this clean cut, never experienced nothing. You just been kept in the house type of girl. I can't be friends with those people. Like, I feel like at some point our conversation stops. At some point, the conversation seems surface and you can't help me. You can't get me to my next yeah. level because you can't relate to me. So, yeah, I think, yeah, you said it. So, okay. So easier said than done, but what do you do to pull yourself out of tough times? Girl, you just, you just swim. <laughs> just swim, please. You act like Mimo. Like, um, ooh. you rip. Mm. I don't think I have a... A general answer. You, uh, yes, I'm, please, Tanita. Tanita, come join us. I would just say one thing, and I'm be done with this because tough times I feel like are inedible. And what is it, edible? That's inevitable. Inevitable. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Listen. Um, it depends on how you look at things. I tell people this all the time. Tough times are going to occur. Um, and there's different levels to tough because it could tough in business, tough in life, tough in what you're dealing with at that moment. But, sis, <laughs> I was about to say, I think, like, you hit it on the nail, but, like, there's no general way to do it. But, like I said before, like, I once I got to a point in my life where I realized, like, it's inevitable like it's going to happen like you're mm -hmm. going to go through stuff you're going to have trauma you're going to have obstacles and i would never forget my mom telling me that she told me that about relationships and i didn't want to believe it but right like I'm i got love forever like, <laughs> i'm gonna be in love and he gonna love me and that just didn't happen right but um I, my mom had told me that and it was in reference to relationships but as i started going through life and i went through college mm -hmm. then you get out of college and you're going through like real adult stuff and you're like it's those times, like, honestly, the first thing I say in my book is, like, you have to feel those emotions. Yes. And I think we forget to do that. We forget that, like, because I was always a person that when I went through something in life, it was like, okay, how am I going to take this and boom, boom, and bring it back around and make it better, right? Mm -hmm. And I've never sat and really sulked. So now it's almost three years later, and I'm still dealing with the most traumatic thing that ever happened to me because I'm so used to just moving on. Moving on right? So the first thing you have to do is feel those feelings. But... 
it all ties into like your self identity and your self love and really understanding <clears throat> what you need for you yeah. and in yourself. So when you get into certain um moments, some things are not some things are harder than you know, like you just failed the test. You can go right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go party and be like, Hey, right. <laughs> just gotta do the next one versus I just lost my mom. I can't Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to go drink because my family has is rooted in alcoholism, yeah. and I don't want to be a part of that. You know what I'm saying? So it depends on the level, but you literally have to. It's it's about finding yourself, and I've realized that like every point in your life, you're finding yourself. Yeah. And just to piggyback off of that, because it made me think about it. Because when you when I thought about tough times, I'm like tough tough what? Yeah. But um, I'm very spiritual. Number one. Um, so when I'm going through something, I kind of just shut out the world, mm-hmm. and it's not on purpose but it's just so I can get clear on like why is this Mm -hmm. why am I in this situation why is this occurring is it to make me stronger is to eliminate somebody out of my life Mm -hmm. is you have to really get clear because for me quieting your outside the noise helps you get clear on okay what was something that maybe you prayed about or you Mm -hmm. asked about Mm -hmm. like was it did you ask God to remove somebody did you ask God to get to another level so you know nothing comes easy so when you say tough it's like okay is this to build character is this to build strength is this something that I asked for so asking outside people because I'm not that person um I'm the friend you can come to like the Instagram meme say we're gonna talk about it once the next (laughs) conversation it needs to be a solution because we're not gonna stay in this situation but number two Two, I love to read, and I read this book. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Pastor B. Morton. Um, she's a pastor in Houston, and she has a book called Beyond the Storm. And in her book, it says you have to rate your storms. Um, and I use that throughout life. Like when you think about tough times, rate what that tough time is. Like. Is it a category one? You know, think about it as a hurricane. It's a category five because, you know, that was Hurricane Katrina. Like, that was the worst storm to happen for New Orleans at that time. Or is it just something that's just a little rain and a little, you know, a little debris? Mm -hmm. And is it something that you can clean up? So we're mentally, we get into these situations where it's like, this is super hard, it's tough, but it's really not that tough because when you get past it, you're like, oh, I can go through that again. Mm-hmm. You know, I could take another little heartbreak from a little boy, but you know, when you're in it, it's like, this hurts. Like, no. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, you have to really mentally get out of what you can see and feel and step back and write it out. I like to write. I'm still a pen and paper type of person mm-hmm. and write it out and then maybe leave it for 48 hours and then go back and reread it. And see, you know, is it really that deep? You know, is it really that serious? (laughs) So I think that would be my advice for getting through tough times because it's really not your uh, straight, like, answer. Like, do this, do this, do this. It really is going to take you asking God. And if you don't believe in God, asking yourself or whomever. Whomever you can. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So... I will be honest, um, because I feel like most of my traumatic experiences happened when I was young and irrational, and I didn't know much about myself, let alone how to handle trauma within myself. I probably had the most unconstructive, like, Like, healing process ever. Like, if I'm being blunt, like the two times 
that I attempted suicide that I speak of in this setting, that was in reaction to so, things so, around mm -hmm. this topic. Outside of this, in general, I've attempted suicide probably three times. Mm -hmm. The last time being two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but I've always struggled just, I think, with clinical depression. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there are a lot of people specifically in the black community that are undiagnosed with clinical depression and they're, right. they function with it. So they don't even realize, like, they're thinking, oh, I've just been sad for two months. Mm -hmm. No, you're clinically mm -hmm. depressed. That's not normal. But um, I, I went through it all. Like, even outside of that, I, I popped pills. I did Molly all through my first year of college. I thought that it was just like a one-time, let me try it out. And then I realized, like, this is actually helping me cope. Mm -hmm. So then I, I kept doing it. You know, I cut myself off and on for like a good four or five years. Like, it was really, really bad with me. Um, so I think it got to a point after my last abusive relationship where I was just messed up my emotions were all over the place and at this point I was out of church for a good five or six years and I had a friend of mine that literally just randomly called me one day and she was like look us talking and crying about this and, and trying to figure out why is this happening is not working you need to go to church there was nothing else she could do for me she just said I'm coming to pick you up tomorrow at 8 and we're gonna go to church I have now been at that church for two years. I became a member last year. And what I will say is when I joined that church, my entire life changed. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say that bad things haven't happened and that I haven't had some emotional days, but it ain't been that, that bad. bad. Right. My trauma has not stepped back to what it used to be since then. Um, and my pastor has like this theme where he just keeps on saying like just try God sometimes just try mm -hmm. him and he recently said something that stuck with me where he said God can't prove to be a healer if you never let him mm -hmm. afflict you yeah. and that really just like speaks my entire life I would never know God to be a healer if none of this stuff mm -hmm. happened to me I would never know him to be a savior I would never know him to be somebody that could turn stuff around and make me not want to cut myself and not want to pop pills and not want to fight people all day. I would never have that testimony if I never tried God. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that to push religion on anyone because right. that's not my goal here, but that is a part of my testimony. My spiritual, right. my spirituality is a part of me. So I can't really share my story without giving that mm -hmm. tidbit. Right. Yeah. And I think it's just like we all said, like you got to find a higher okay. something it's yeah. got to be high it's above you like that statement is it's true it's now. above <laughs> me now listen if it's if i'm in it and it's happening to me then five years ago four years ago i probably would be like a nervous wreck trying to figure something yeah. out something go wrong yeah. now i'm like god whatever like in the next 30 days show me something different like you know yeah. i'm just kind of like it is what it is but you have to find that type of connection where you can trust and lean on somebody other than yourself Yo mm -hmm. and your friends and your parents because they see you as probably this dramatic person who always got a problem your mom and daddy like my mom always be like she's just crazy she she mm -hmm. because that's how your parents look at you like yeah. but nobody really internally can understand what you feel but the person who is guiding you through and whoever that person is for you source god i know people have different religions and like you said i'm not trying to push you know religion on you all but finding inside internally like your internal being and just finding that healing process, whether that's going to get a counselor, whether that's actually saying, okay, I need help 
somebody helped me like speaking out you just have to find what is speaking to you what has came up and said was it a counselor was it somebody mm-hmm. saying just go and go to church you know try church out whatever that is mm-hmm. i would say just begin that just trying something new go to yoga i love yoga mm-hmm. it has been very transformational for my life like I see things differently, so even and if sometimes it's... sometimes it takes all of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. yoga, church, and writing. Right, like and, and maybe, and maybe <laughs> you know, doing something, breaking glass, do something crazy, too, because I'm not exempting the things that make you feel good. Like, yeah. you know, whatever makes you feel different than what you're feeling, try it, and then implement other things. I do think, though, that friends are really important. Just people mm-hmm. who you hang out with in general are really important because 99.9% of your life experiences are going to be social experiences. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times the people around me have picked me up when stuff was real ugly. Yeah. So I, I just think that's really important. Like I have the right friends. The listen, listen. I didn't know how else to listen. say it. Like the, my friends listen. are so down for me. It, listen. You know, I think Why I can agree with that though. Like, and, and I mean, right friends meaning that when you irrational, they not irrational. Yeah, they can because me down. the wrong friends are the ones like we gonna go bust this window. And listen. I mean that's cool because I done been there, I done been that friend, I done been the wrong yeah. friend. But you have to be careful, and it's not gonna be so obvious. Like that's not me just saying if you know that you battle with depression, don't be around right. sad people. Yeah, like you gotta know what to look for. Right. My spirit of discernment, I feel, is so inclined mm-hmm. at this point. Like I can spot a devil from a mile mm-hmm. away. But my freshman year in college, when I was probably in the height of my depression, and I didn't even know it because it was manifesting in every other area mm-hmm. and coming out so many different ways. So here I am popping pills and doing Molly at parties, and the girls that I was kicking it with, they do drugs. like, right. And they're not doing it because they're sad. They're doing it because this they is how they have that, a good yeah. time. Yeah. So they're not even realizing that I'm depressed, but somehow the devil is working through them to get to me. So they're feeding me this stuff. I'm getting access to drugs that I don't even want no more, but because you throwing it in my face, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So I had to really like sit down and say, what does this person bring in my life that is not constructive mm-hmm. for my mental health? Mm-hmm. And that cut out a lot of friends. <laughs> like I was probably left with a good two or three and it was lonely, but them two or three was Solid. And just to be honest, right. when you go through those certain traumatic um things in your life, they'll it'll reveal itself. Like literally, mm-hmm. after I went through everything and then I lost my mom and I didn't know what to do. Like my mom had died um the that Sunday after Thanksgiving. So that Sunday I woke up and I found out and everybody found out. And you know, you get your few calls and you get that. Bury my mother on Wednesday. By Friday, my phone stopped ringing. But by next week, you know, I still had one person that was like texting me, but it never was like, I know you're going through this. I know you this. You know what I'm saying? It just was like, what you doing? I'm about to come over. And it's like, yeah. I don't want you over here. I'm tired. I don't want to talk to nobody. I want to answer my phones. But there was knocks at my door. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, and it was like, you were like just there mm-hmm. picking me up or whatever. And I'm not going to look over there because I don't got time. But um, you, they, it reveals yourself in that due time. And, th- and these are people who are literally not saying, like, well, let's talk. Like you said, yeah. that one friend that's like, let's talk about it. And then the next one is like, all right, so we'll be going from here. Yeah. So, and it'll, it'll show itself. Um, 
you just have to not ignore those signs. Because I'm pretty sure in that moment, you kind of probably knew that, like, these wasn't my friends for real. Probably not really knew, but it was like... It was, mm, feeding, it was feeding her that, 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 that part, part of her, of her that life. she wanted to right. at that moment. It was yeah. my freshman year. I was trying to be friends with everybody. Well, right. <laughs> you know, so so it's, right. it is that moment where it's like, you know, I want this, though. Right. Like, I don't right. want to look at the other side or yeah. whatnot. But then all, when, you started, when you start to yeah. grow and you start to really understand where you're at it is like okay maybe they ain't that cool yeah. you know so yeah once i've always people always say once the drugs stop working mm-hmm. then you realize everything else mm-hmm. and that's not just physical drugs that's not just molly and weed and all of that it's like when whatever the person is feeding you is no longer stimulating mm-hmm. you then you wake up and be like this ain't what i want no more yeah. and it's and it's so crazy because it happens because you wake up and you'll be like you ugly. I don't. I don't uh, like you. Like, like, you here? I, like my yeah. Like, I don't want to be your girlfriend no more. Like, you literally no, wake seriously. up some days and be like, "How did I stop liking him?" And I feel like that's when you accessing that next level of your life. But you have to be aware of those moments where you wake up and you just like you ugly. Like, mm-hmm. not you telling. Okay, don't tell yourself you ugly, but you know, like you can change a little bit. Like, it's time <laughs> to access that next level. But okay, I really like this question. <laughs> Because what advice would you give to someone who wants to help their friends realize that your life does not revolve around men? Mm. Child. Child, that was good. Child, you got to let sis go through it. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you have to experience it in order to know. Like, I had a friend like that. I still got a friend like that. I'm not going to lie. She called me. I got a friend like that. She called me. I had a day about a new man. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's, but you have, it, honestly, well, for someone like me, when it comes to my friends, I'm the one that's like, okay, we need to get to the root of why you're like, what, yeah. what's, what is, why, why do you want all these men? What, what's, what you going through right now? So I'm that type of sense of friend where I have to like really understand my friends. So I had to kind of sit her down and say, all right, you know, talk to me. Like you good. And it's, it's like all these other men, it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get a little bit deeper. Like what's really going on. So, but it's very tricky to talk to a friend about relationships. Yeah. Um, and you got to be careful. But at the same time, you have to assess whether the friendship means more or whatever they're go- like. I don't know how to say it, but whatever yeah, they're yeah. going through means more. Like, I, like, it's certain friends that I'd rather use your friendship if that means I can get this out to you and make you realize that the situation you're in is not right. Because everything happens for a reason. And if we're meant to be friends, we'll boomerang back around, right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'd rather you be good and I'd rather get this off my chest than me sit here and see you go through yeah. everything that you're going through that could potentially lead you in the wrong, you know. Yeah. And I think, too, you got to, a lot of times we think about that just that person, but I'm even thinking about, like, like my cousin, for mm-hmm. instance, and I'm thinking about my ex-best friend. Some of that stuff is what they seen in their household mm-hmm. as well. So when I look at, like, for instance, my cousin who always just has to have a boyfriend, her mom is the same way. Like, mm-hmm. her mom has always had a man. So sometimes it's what they've seen and they feel like this is what is supposed to take place and this is how life goes, this is how relationships happen. And then sometimes it's loneliness, mm-hmm. sometimes it's, you know, lack of self love, maybe mm-hmm. is, you know, wanting that 
re, what is it? Um, reassurance. reassurance from a man or Daddy just issues. another person, daddy issues. So you really have to, like she said, number one, kind of step back and take yourself out of the situation and being so mad at your friend for always wanting a man mm-hmm. and look at her behavior and the type of man that she's going after. And it'll tell you a little bit, I'm not going to say a lot, it'll tell you a little bit about what is feeding her, mm-hmm. like what she's looking for. Because if she's she has a habit of getting men who, you know, maybe she's just a sexual being, she's she just like to have sex with them, you know. Then what it, do y'all mean by the question? I think I'm trying to like revolve around a man, so it's like, what, wait. like you know, like always like, constantly have to have a man, or maybe you're, or are you saying like everything you do is around that man? So, like, I can't go out with my friends because. I gotta be with my man. Is that what you're saying? I, okay, so my perspective is different. This is what I'll say. Um, my friendships at this point, I'm I'm real like like don't play with me when it comes to my friendships. And I feel like everyone who is a part of my tribe has a responsibility to that tribe, and that includes being real, holding shit down. Can I speak? Yeah. I, I be forgetting where I'm at sometimes. <laughs> she said, girl, you good. I, yeah, I feel like, hold the shit down. You know, um, you have a responsibility to me, meaning when I'm not doing well, as a friend, it is your responsibility mm-hmm. to pick me up. Yeah. I'm not going to always put that on you. I'm not saying that's 100% your responsibility, but you can't be someone in my life that sees me struggling with something mm-hmm. and turn the cheek, mm-hmm. you know? So, If you have a friend like that, I would almost charge you to be that person in her life that helps change that and and sticks sticks with her through that. But then it it depends. Um, Now, if it gets to a point where it's harmful to you... Then it's time to go. Well, I'm saying too. What what are what if you're the jealous friend though? Who's because we're talking about two different problems. That's what I'm trying to because y'all specify. (laughs) Because I'm trying just a man problem or do we have a jealousy problem? Because that's what I'm saying. (laughs) This can go anyway because sometimes people feel like you because if you ask me, I I am committed to my man. I'm committed to my relationship. So I feel like I don't have that much time for my friends, but I show up too as well. So it's like. If a person comes to me, is it is it because you feel so like if we're that? talking about jealousy? I, I think that just clean cut. You get older. People yeah. want to date. People want to build a family, and it's natural for us to just want partnership. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you got to be okay with your friends making time for this, making time for that, and everything else. And okay. if it is unhealthy, okay. I think then. communication goes a long yeah. way. Just saying, hey, friend. I used to kick it with you Sunday to Sunday, and now it's Sunday to Tuesday. (laughs) What's up? Like, I don't think that everything has to be a huge thing. I just think communication goes a long way. But if jealousy is out of it, then I think that you may just want to sit back and say, you know what? This might be my responsibility to this person at this time in their Mm -hmm. life. This is not going to always be my responsibility 10 years from now. But if God placed me in this person's life because I have a little bit more wisdom when it comes to this particular aspect of their life, then I'm going to be that person for them to remind them, hey, friend, you don't need to be up that man's ass every time. You get what I'm saying? Like, so play your role as the friend. You need to know. And then, too, it just depends. Because, like I said, is what the person or the man that they're surrounding themselves with detrimental to their life or is it like because it's tricky to answer that question because we come from all angles we come from is it just her wanting to be 
you know, with a partner? Is it her wanting to? Is it healthy? Whoever wrote the question, if y'all want to stand up and clarify at any point, I'm just We good. If not, then, you know, I hope there's a little bit of answer to anything. I hope that. But hopefully, if it's unhealthy and she's being harmed, that you seek help. If she does, if you feel like you can't go to her, doing anonymous, they do have anonymous help hotlines and stuff. But even like Jason said, like just but, dropping like little hints, like girl, every Tuesday we used to go to talk on yeah. Tuesday. We but you been. don't like, want you know, to just ruin don't... a friendship because it's never worth it to me. A man is never worth the friendship. Yeah, over something unless she's being unless she's getting beat up. It was you. No. Oh. Okay. I was like. Okay. Okay. Three times. Woo. The first time I said, I, I knew I was like, okay, well, let me not say nothing because whatever. Okay. And then I keep saying it, so I'm like, okay, what kind of friend am I? Right. And so I'm like, okay, girl, XYZ, you know, right, right. just go ahead and check it out. My golden rule. Yeah, yeah. My golden rule when it comes to that. But it was just like, and that's how it was. And I was like, okay. And so now she wants to be my friend because. But, so that's why I said though that that's why I said it's like really. Yeah. I'm really not even sure what to say to people nowadays because yeah. That's why I said it's tricky though, and that's why I said sometimes you have to and you have to assess the situation and really like sometimes you gotta let people go through. Yeah. If you if you don't want to lose that relationship, like I say, I'm that friend. I'd rather lose you as a rela- right. lose your relationship. You figure out on your own, and then you realize and you come back. And I I wouldn't be like that. I would honestly be like, you know what, girl, yeah. I understand because honestly, love is a very strong drug. Ooh, and I don't think people really under the people un- um understand that. My friends are um she's studying to be a doctor, and they had a um a seminar going on, and they said that the um the same um. This, I can't get it out. But the same, the uh, same chemical yeah, the or same hemisphere chemical of your brain for, that yeah. registers with drugs and stuff is connected to for, the emotions. The same way you do love. So when you, you when they say love is blind, they mean it. The same yeah. way you get drunk and you you can't really understand and see what's going on. The same way you can like drunk and love is a real thing. Yeah. So honestly, I would I would I would talk to her even if you don't really want to be her friend. I know in that moment it was like okay, but I was trying to help you. Right. But at the same time, it's like I didn't been that friend with, where I was up my dude, but. Ass, we said, look, I was up my dude ass and I was loving it, okay? Because I ain't never, I was loving it because I, I didn't, so I didn't have my father. I didn't have my father. I didn't have nobody growing up telling me how beautiful I was or I deserved this and I did that. And he yeah. did it. So guess what? Anything you wanted, boo, I gave you. Right. Right. And then, like she said, it But de- now I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. she said, because I've lost a friend over fighting with her about knowing, like, you don't need to be with him because he's cheating on you. He's doing this to you. And I had a list. I had like a, I was, I was reading her for days. Like, you going to sing who? I was, I, no, I was reading her. I was like, he did this. He did this. Why are you doing this? You going to buy him Jordans? Girl, he don't even deserve to walk. Like, because, like, like I was that friend. But I also realized that people don't see what you see. Like, they don't, they don't see until, yeah, like. They literally feel like, but it goes back to what she said earlier too. It was feeding, it like was whatever feeding. he was feeding her. Yes, was whatever, feeding her. whatever was getting done, me full. So, but the thing was, I had to also in my life realize, okay, like Jasmine said, 
your friends are a reflection of you Mm -hmm. and number one i need my friends to be a little bit stronger not saying you have to handle situations the way i do that you have to be quick to leave and out you know by seven o'clock no i'm not saying that but if we can't agree on our values moving forward my advocacy just continues to grow like i just want to reach other audiences so that i know that this wasn't a waste this didn't just happen to me for no reason because I used to genuinely feel like there clearly is not a God if this is supposed to be the man that's supposed to protect me and yet this happened my whole perspective is completely different I feel like God had to afflict me to show me that I have a voice and I need to use it and I need to touch people so I think that that's my transition what about for you I think that like I said before I'm continuously transitioning though like, I had that point where I transitioned from what happened in my childhood, and I had to keep going. And then I had to transition into college, and now I'm transitioning into really being a woman. I'm trying, like, even the smallest things, like I said, put, like me um, making my own appointments or me paying my own bills or just even, like, when I get up and I say, like, okay, I know my purpose, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm continuing to walk. Because there was one point where, like you said, like I got up and was just like, look, I'm just doing this because I'm on earth. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm breathing, so I got to go do something. And I'm living with my mom, and I'm, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and show her that I'm hurting because then she's going to hurt. So I'm just going to go do life. Once I, once I literally like got up and had that purpose and really felt that like I'm like when I step literally like you said when like I I haven't been to church in a long time but I, I literally talked to God and once I started to get out of the bed and put my feet on the floor and I felt like the devil was mad that's mm-hmm. when I made my transition that's when I was like okay I'm finally that woman that I said I wanted to be now I gotta walk in it or the one that I vision it now I'm walking in it so I think I'm still transitioning because I'm still in that, that limbo between um, being a young woman but also being an adult. So, And that's kind of something I tell the girls that I mentor. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't there, okay? But I'm trying to get there. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming from where you at. So I'm trying to help you get there. Mm-hmm. But realize, just be patient with me because I'm still trying to find this. <laughs> you know, like, because you, you're just going to always grow. Once you get married, you got you to gotta find yourself as a woman and a, a, a wife. And then once you have children, a wife, a woman, and a mother. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I, I'm probably going to, or we're all always evolving. But, yeah, once I, once I literally realized that I'm making the devil mad, that's when I was like, I transitioned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just think for me, just allowing everything just to happen, just allowing life to flow. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I've released the want to control, the want to just have things play out how I visually, because I'm a visual person, so I like to dream big things, mansions on heels and all of these things. And they're still accessible to me, but to allow, like, my journey and the moments to be just that, like, to try to live more in the moment than to just think about, what am I going to be at 35? Mm-hmm. What am I going to get married at 32? I'm going to have five kids and two dogs. Like, it's like, you know, whatever happens in life, it happens. But, you know, like I said, going back to what I said earlier, allowing that to be your message instead of just, like, using it against yourself and saying, well, this is the worst thing that has happened to me possible or anybody else. Because I feel like, you know, Jasmine, what's your name? Tanina. <laughs> Tanina, like everybody has a story and people don't realize that and it's to help people who cannot overcome mm-hmm. because we're supposed to use these stories and what has happened to us to reach back mm-hmm. and help somebody else get over the bridge. Like I don't think anything that has happened has happened to you is because bad things are 
just supposed to happen to you. I think it's more so for you to find somebody who's stuck in a place of where you are or were and reach back and say, hey, this is how I overcame. And, you know, I'm going to lend a hand and help you. So I think my transition is just finding people and being accessible because Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, it's very easy to become busy Mm -hmm. and shut out opportunities to help other people heal. So kind of opening up my schedule to ask people like, how can I be a service to you? Like what has happened? And you'll realize sometimes it's more than what you want or you ask for because it's like, okay, I was just asking how was your day? (laughs) Like I didn't, but just kind of being more accessible and just Allowing my journey to be a beautiful one. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to hate anybody. I don't want to carry ill feelings. Mm-hmm. I just want to forgive and love and then try not to cuss out my boyfriend every now and then. But other than that, like, <laughs> that's, about <it. laughs> that's about it. Like, I think that's about it. And I think we kind of touched on this question, how do you heal? Which we kind of talked about it. Just live through it, write through it, bust a window. And write a book if you need to. So I wrote a book entitled Pretty Hurts, All Things Beauty, Love, and Pain. Um, it was just kind of a time, like I said, I just graduated college. I got this criminal justice degree. I done applied to a million jobs. They didn't tell me no. I started feeling even more worthless than what I was already feeling. Then on top of that, I lost my number one supporter. Kind of like you were saying, like my family's not close at all, um, but it was me and my mother. And when I lost my mother, I lost my voice. And honest to God, I lost God's voice. Um, I felt like my mom, my God talked to, talked to me through my mother. Everything I did, my mother asked me about from pledging to going to school to just doing whatever, um, entering pageants. Like, it was literally my mother because she would always say, like, you know, I pray that you wouldn't be anything like me. Like, my mom was not a public speaker. She didn't like performing. And I was, like, this social butterfly always on stage. Um, so... I had uh, wrote the poem, the piece that I performed for you guys earlier. I wrote that and I performed it um, in D.C. I was part of the Miss Full Figure DMV pageant. Um, and I won second place and I won Miss DMV Talent for that piece and got a standing ovation. And when I got off stage, my boyfriend at the time, they had asked, like, you know, where can I buy a piece from her? And it kind of, it sparked it, but I was already writing. So I wrote that piece and I kind of just was writing, like, everything I was going through from, like, um, when I was younger, I was I was cyberbully, and I didn't know I was cyberbully. I kind of took it with a grain of salt, but didn't realize how much it impacted me. And I think that um, a lot of the difference for me was like a lot of things I went through. I'm just now realizing I went through it, so I'm just now realizing that I was verbally abused, or you know, I was I was touched when I didn't want to be touched. But I'm younger, so I didn't. You know, I don't. You don't really understand that. But now. As I got older and I started looking at my relationships, and when I was younger, a lot of my my younger relationships were a lot more sexual than they probably should have been. But because of what I went through when I was younger, it was a lot of um, it was just it was un you know like my self identity was taken from me. Like I wasn't able to establish what I wanted to be because somebody established it for me. Um, so me just writing, I kind of just was like, well, I'm gonna write this book, and I let somebody read it. And it was like, yo, you need to put this out. And like my book has like errors it's, it has errors in it it has you know misspellings but it's all because it's like it's one of those things where it's like it was so raw and so in the moment and if you read the book like you'll you can feel where it's coming from you know um so yeah i wrote that book just to kind of be a healing um i have some with me that i want to give away to so that's that but yeah my book was really really it was really for me i'm not gonna lie it was really yeah. for me um but you you you'll find in your lifetime a lot of stuff that you do for you is it 
it's really for somebody else. else. So that's my book. I love it. I'm very excited. Yeah, and I know we got a few men in here too. So I don't want them to think like this is just women. Because men, it's more men being sexually abused than women. If you did not know that. So even if you have like men in your life, talk to them because they don't talk. Like men are much more closed off mm-hmm. than women are. We're more vocal. We're more like this is happening. Like we we explain what's going on. We're emotional. We're emotional. Like 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 hold it. Yeah, in. but men go through things as well. So I think it's important to just to assess all of your relationships, all of your friends, boyfriends. Ask them what has happened to them because sometimes you won't know until you ask, especially men that they have been through sexual traumas mm-hmm. as well. So I think it's important to share this conversation, not just amongst females, but men as well, because like I said, things have occurred and they're just not going to be vocal like we are. Like, you know, we'll kind of, and women are not, I'm not saying every woman is vocal, but pretty much if you, if you poke us a little bit, we're we going to feel mm-hmm. like <laughs> you're going to bust that bubble. But you know, and then even check on them, check on like, your male friends. You need to, be, especially if you're in a relationship with them, because you're able to now assess like why certain things are going the way right. they're going, or why you know you always like want sex, or why you don't always want sex. Like yeah. it's really imperative, so you, you know how to operate your relationship. Like yeah, that's that's a part of communicating. Yeah. Does anybody have any questions or just anything that you want to add to the space? I'll say something. Um. I'm Malcolm. I'm from Fairville, North Carolina. Hi, Malcolm. How y'all doing? Hi, Malcolm. This is a really dope really? experience. Um, I'm actually here supporting my best friends on the ground. Shout out to the support. <laughs> but um, I enjoy just the opportunity to listen to the different stories. So, I mean, you can ask her. I mean, I, that's that's me. You know, I'm a I'm probably a more emotional emotional guy. You know what I'm saying? I, I like to express myself more. And um, I I just feel like it's good, like my relationship with my mom. And, um, right. You know, kind of like her, that's all I had. Yeah. So just being around her and, you know, learning how to treat women, um, I feel that a lot of that type of relationship with my mom, I try to give in my relationships with different people that I date and stuff like that. And um, sometimes it... Was it had me in a very gullible situation where right. now I'm trying to save every female that I see that's mm-hmm. depressed or going through any type of situation. I'm trying to, you know, be their savior. You're trying you know to be life saying? support. Uh, right. <laughs> and um, then I found myself in a in a relationship that I shouldn't have been in. Yeah. And um, then now I feel bad because I feel like I put them on this pedestal and now I'm not as emotionally connected as I once was at the beginning. So um, just listening to different stories and understanding where I came from and how I transitioned into who I am today, um, I never expected to be a father now. Oh, congrats. Uh, my beautiful daughter. Yeah, congrats. So I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, my daughter just turned one last month. And um, the situation wasn't ideal. Um, I really thought that for me personally, I would be at least with the mother pursuing, you know, marriage and stuff like that, but it just didn't line up that way. It was one of those relationships where I caught somebody coming out of a depression and I was, you know, uplifting them, didn't really understand their full lifetime story. And um, 
probably ended up in my most abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. But I was getting abused. Yeah. Um, and I never had a female put her hands on me, so that was a, you know, only person put her hand on me, my mom. You know what I'm saying? So right. any other female put their hands on me, I was just like, oh, like, you're not my mom. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I never felt like I would be pushed to the limit to want to physically put my hands on a woman. Now, I'm glad and I'm strong, that I was strong enough to not cross right. over into that. But I've seen a lot of darkness in that situation mm, yeah. that I just didn't want to be in. I tried to get right. out um, before getting her pregnant, but she ended up getting pregnant. So um, it's just been a different type of experience, but through that pain of being, you know, um, a father and just understanding, like, I got a little girl now, so mm -hmm. I got to move differently, I got to act differently. Um, I got to um, even express myself more, learn how to be more sentimental and more emotional, because I feel like sometimes, yeah, I can speak and be emotional, but at the same time, some things is not that deep to me. And I can look at things, and a female could be telling me how she feel about something, and I'm just like, not that serious, like you're really doing the most right now. Mm -hmm. But that's just, I guess, the man in me to not really be that sentimental to everything, mm -hmm. you know. But it's been a learning experience. Um, I really appreciate you guys. But, Thank you, know, you this, um, I actually got a little YouTube channel. What I've been thinking about, possibly talking about this experience, I feel like some other guys. You should. <laughs> Some of the guys need to I get like this type of plug. Yeah, that right. little slight plug. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, speaking of slight plugs, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I have a question. Honestly, you guys have a lot of courage for speaking yeah. about your story. And I wonder how or if you had any advice for somebody searching to find their voice. Because I am starting mm. a podcast on my own. And it's really just for fun, like, because I want to find my voice and I want to, mm. like, I like talking to people anyway, so I figure not everybody answers when I call, so I can just, you know. <laughs> <do a podcast. laughs> no, for real. I can just for talk real. To, you know, you got a good podcast, boy. Oh, no, 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 the way she said that was so funny. So, yeah, if you had any advice for me to, like, in finding, or anybody, with, if they're searching to find their voice within um. and Based on, So my advice would honestly to be like authentic, like just be you. Like people, yeah. like I think sometimes we lose our we lose our voice and we can't find our voice because we don't want to be us. Like yeah. we, you know, and even I mean Jada can attest to it too. But it's like even times where like I'm like, okay, well this is this is what's catching the eye. You know what I'm saying? But it's like no, like what's gonna catch the eye about you? And that's life plug essentially what uniquely beautiful about is about like literally what do, what do you have to bring to this world like what are you gonna do so like literally authentically be you if that means oversharing sometimes oops i didn't overshare maybe that could be like your podcast thing oversharing i don't know but like 
You know, like, yeah. literally just continue to be authentic and be you. Like, somebody gonna feel it. Like, yeah. the real gonna feel it. Somebody and just launch the podcast, girl. The only reason my podcast is based on entrepreneurship is because I'm an entrepreneur. And I wanted to build a platform for people who needed advice, who couldn't afford PR services, marketing mm-hmm. services, to get practical tools and tips. That's what it was about. However, you being you is a platform in itself. Like, you... Just sharing stories and testimonies. People may want to come to your podcast just to get a laugh, just to, mm-hmm. you know, be like, girl, me too. You know, I, I haven't expressed this or shared this with anybody, but at least I know there's one person out there who <laughs> yeah. also. So I would just say, if you're looking for your voice, start a podcast. Because the beautiful thing about a podcast is you don't have to look at nobody. You ain't got to re-record. You mm-hmm. can be in your pajamas doing it. You can be in your panties and bra doing it. Like, it's whatever you choose to do because it's like just you and whomever now. Mm-hmm. Um, um, just do it. And as you do the podcast, you'll learn more about yourself. Mm-hmm. You might find, okay, I want to do this. I want to switch on this. And it may open other pathways and doors for yourself. So start with what makes you comfortable. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything outside of your comfort zone. I would not suggest anybody to get on live if you have not ever spoken <laughs> in front of people before because it is like a setup. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> like, yeah, like, do what you feel comfortable first. So, if that's just having conversations with somebody, like, girl, just record five minutes with me. Start there. Yeah, I think that you speak best about the stuff that you're most interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I first started doing public speaking, I spent a lot of time talking to myself, honestly. That probably sounds crazy. To this day, when I get booked for something, I, I think of the questions they're going to ask me, and I talk to myself, and I ask myself, does this even sound professional? Does it make sense? Right. Because a lot of times, people like to speak, but they don't know how to explain mm. thoroughly so that other people can understand what you're right. saying. Um, so I just think <laughs> right. that practicing like, and getting comfortable with your own voice is mm. really important. Yeah. Thank y'all. Yeah. 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 You seem like you might be say. Oh, like, I mean, I've already started it, but it's just. It's very so new. exciting. It's, 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 it's very new, though. Like, I haven't dropped my first episode, but I recorded it finally because I've just been so busy, like, talking about it and, like, thinking about it. And Please to send it to me. You got to tell she's so ready for it. Yeah, but what are your podcast going to be about? Me. Me. Like, I'm over here, like, Posh Talks Podcast is, and you're, it's, it's not me. me. <laughs> like, that's going to be, I need that. I feel like I need that's like that girl's room. What was that show, Amanda Bynes? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's cute. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> no. Oh, besides, like, Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, y'all can follow me on Instagram at official Nina Love. Spell it. Official? Oh, I, I didn't know what you said, girl. <laughs> you know, that's that DM. DC. DC. Okay. Official Nina Love. And it's spelled the regular way N E N A L O V E. If y'all. I, listen, you some, some, when you start publishing, you gotta, you know, like you gotta change it up. But when I'm around all boys, it's a little everybody, you know, mother, father, father. Oh, oh, you with the cook? Oh, 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 o
It's official. Y'all need me to spell official. No, yeah, we do. <laughs> Listen, I don't even know if I know how to spell it. Everything is perfect. I love people who not from the South. Anybody who loves North South is just like, never mind. I love the South, though. I'm trying to come back. Yeah, people do. But yeah, yeah. Because people love country. And I don't even feel country. I don't think I'm country I'm gonna be honest either, but I'll say y'all country. <laughs> y'all country. All my friends from up north are like. I'm going to be honest. Yes. I, so, like, sometimes when y'all talk, I got to, like, listen. And then you got to listen, talk. girl. Y'all and then like, a little, test what we just said. Yeah, I got to make sure you say. You, what you say? When I first came down here, I had to, like, ask people to repeat. Well, thank you, Jasmine, for letting me be a part of your thank cupcakes you. and combos. Thank y'all so much. So much. Thank you again for listening to Posh Talks Podcast. This podcast was brought to you and sponsored by Women Living Intentional and Intentional Investments. Want to learn more about us? Check us out at intentionallyposh.com. And as always, have a high vibe intentional week. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.